This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. What's up everybody, welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Jonas. This is episode 123, so we're racing through them episodes at breakneck speed and today we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to get away from all the doom and gloom. I've got Mr. Warren Hayes on the podcast, so what a fantastic uh, episode that you could possibly wish for. And last week we did a bit of fantasy booking with Michael Jolly. We, we booked Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship run from now, from WrestleMania 36 all the way through to WrestleMania 37. Me and Michael, we had our own kind of... Uh, fantasy booking shenanigans you could say as far as what opponents Drew might have along the way what what uh, pay-per-view opponents he might have and whether he'd lose a championship only to regain it again on the show of shows hopefully with fans uh, this time 12 months time but uh, I've got Mr Warren Hayes to do something similar so Warren how are you this week great to have you on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast sir it's it's a pleasure to be here thank you John thank you for having me I'm doing Otherwise, I'm doing uh, as good as we can be within the uh, era of social confinement. Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. We we are doing our best, and uh, like I say, as creative content uh, providers, uh, podcasters, YouTubers, we're doing our best to put smiles on those faces, as they say in the WWE, Warren. Yeah, we. I mean, you know, we we try our best, uh, you know, and there's it's cool. It's cool when people reach out and actually tell you, you know, well, it's got my mind off of things. That's always fun. Uh, but yeah, to be, you know, as much as we like to do it and hopefully reach out to people and help people out like that, eh, we also do it to us for ourselves at the same time because it also helps us too. So it's very much a nice symbiotic relationship, not a parasitic oh, yeah. one. Yeah, very symbiotic. You know. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So I mentioned about the, the fantasy booking shenanigans, and when I reached out to you, Warren, I mentioned that we could we could pretend that AEW and WWE were uh, skipping merrily hand in hand down the road and doing business together, and uh, and uh, some sort of you know uh, working agreement, shall we say? And they put on this this fantasy supercard of supercards, super shows of super shows. It'll probably never happen in our lifetime, but being as we haven't got much wrestling to talk about, we might as well make it up in our own minds. But sure. uh, well, when I first approached you about this idea to do a bit of fantasy booking, uh, what, what, what first came to mind in your head? Well, uh, DC versus Marvel is the first thing that came into mm. into my head. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I used to, I, I used to be really into comic books back then. So when those crossovers were announced, I mean that that just blew our that just blew all our collective minds back then because there there was no way we were going to see Lobo <laughs> versus Wolverine. That shit just won't happen. But uh, this is kind of the same thing here, despite the fact that there's more and more crossover amongst um, amongst the talent, you know, uh, because AEW does have some WWE talent or just some talent that's in WWE and some that's in AEW have met in the past yeah. in, in the indie circuit. It's now interesting to think about, uh, despite all the, the crisscross, how some of these wrestlers who may have met in the past, now, if they were to meet today, exactly. how much more strange and interesting it'd be because of the because of the, the the battle lines that have been drawn what they've done with their careers yeah this is going to be fun 
Oh, Fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But let's let's take thirty seconds to talk about you then, because I've not had you on the podcast before, and I do pride myself on having different content creators, different podcasters, YouTubers on my show every single week. So thanks again for coming on the show. But I mean, you're one of the busiest content creators out there on our airwaves. I have to say, Warren, you, you have your Mr. Warren Hayes live show every Thursday, which I am uh, a frequent viewer of. Uh, your podcast as well, and it, you're also appearing on the the Smart to Death podcast radio network. Um, you also have have your, your Patreon. You're also part of the, the Fightful uh, network as well. So you're a busy guy, Warren. T- just fill us in on some of the great stuff that you pump out every single week. Uh, well, uh, that's a that's a really good rundown. I, the, I guess the the flagship is every Thursday, the Mr. Warren Hayes Show at 9 p.m. It's I record the podcast there, so I record it live on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes if you ever want to check that out. Um, and that's recorded live, live chat, live. It's it's a good time. It's a fun time. And then uh, the podcast is available on all podcast networks, uh, all podcast platforms, excuse me, and on the Smart to Death um, radio podcast right. network as well. Yeah. So that's really cool. We've got some great guys there. Of course, we have Smart to Death. There's um, No Particular Angle, uh, Why We Watch, The Queen, Queen of NE is there as well with Queen's Court, uh, Badlands by Magsy, who's that's fantastic. So uh, so there's all that good stuff. And then every Wednesday and Friday, I'm on uh, the Fightful podcast, recording live again on Wednesdays, recording after AEW and NW, uh, NWA, AEW and NXT that's the um, one. Every, every Wednesday uh, on Fightful and then on the uh, after SmackDown on Fridays. And then we do post shows and then I do retro reviews for Fightful Select with Sean Ross Sapp. Yeah, yeah, the trick here, a lot of people to ask me, uh, John, they ask me, Warren, what's the trick in doing so much content? What's tell, yes, what's, the, what's the trick? <laughs> here it is. It's really simple. Just don't sleep. Don't sleep. Just good, never good mind sleep. It. Yeah, that's that's all. <laughs> that's all there is to it. If you sleep, well, you know, that's it. Yeah, don't, do don't sleep and ignore all family members and uh, don't socialize. Well, we can't socialize nowadays anyway. But uh, yes, you, you kind of don't have a life. Yes, that's another that's another tip. Uh, but uh, yes, no, no lack of sleeping. That's definitely mm-hmm. a podcaster's uh, number one rule. But uh, we, we do it for our listeners and we, we do it for the love of what we do. But yes, uh, it's all good fun. True. It's all good fun. But um, I mean, this week's been uh, a bit of a crap week for the rest of the world, hasn't it? Well, we heard about uh, all of the, the cuts that happened uh, a couple of days ago now, I think it was Wednesday, maybe Tuesday, yep, Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, and uh, we, we've all spoke to, we're blue, on the, blue in the face about all the cuts, so uh, we don't really want to rehash all of that. But 24 hours later, and only 24 hours ago, we had the sad news of the passing of um, one Howard Finkel. So, uh, you know, Howard died uh, yesterday. Uh, what would that be? Thursday, the, the 16th of April 2020, died at the young age of 69, only 69, uh, and many, including myself, will remember him as the, the voice of the WWF and the WWE throughout the 80s and the 90s. Uh, now, in my opinion, the Fink was and always will be the, the best, the greatest ring announcer in the history of pro wrestling. I think that uh, anybody out there would be uh, you know, hard-pressed to, to disagree with me there. And I don't, I don't think you know, that there's any kind of disputing about it, to be honest with you. Now, I remember fondly 
the first time I saw, the, you know, the think when I first got interested around about 1991. Um, and I saw him kind of with my own two eyes at Wembley Stadium, SummerSlam 92. I was there and he was there doing the ringing outs in that day. Now, I, he looked like an ant to me because I was way up in the gods at Wembley Stadium, but I still had the pleasure of seeing him. I think that was the only time I've actually seen him announce because every time the WWE or WWF back then would tour, I think that their second or their third ring announcer would, would come over to the UK. But you've got all these iconic images of him standing in Madison Square Gardens, MSG in the centre of the ring and the, the microphones that would come down, Warren. And, uh, you know, it, it, he worked for the company from 1975. He became one of their lead ring announcers from 1979, one of their longest serving employees in the history of the company. Um, but uh, so many great memories. And, you know, you, you've obviously had time to think about this and to remember Howard Finkel in your own way, Warren. But uh, any particular moments or memories that stand out to you about uh, about Howard Finkel? Well, I mean, it, it's unquestionable that he is his voice is to me. There's only really two voices that ring WWF that ring wrestling. It's Mean Gene Okerlund and Howard Finkel. Those are the two most the the voices that you associate the most with pro wrestling and in the case of Finkel uh he, he, his voice is proper iconic his oh. his his uh his tone his delivery he has been he is he's the template he is the guy that everyone emulates and knew that's him it will always ring Howard Finkel regardless and um outside of that like I know he worked a lot um backstage as well for WWF he did he he worked in uh in production quite a bit but what what I remember uh and what I enjoyed was um I think it was in 92 93 um yeah, Jerry Lawler's USWA wasn't doing too hot and they sort of came, they being the USWA and WWF came into a, a working agreement where the WWF was going to invade Memphis, right? And the WWE guys were all going in as heels because it was, oh, these big guys, these guys, these city slickers from New York City coming down into Memphis. And Howard Finkel was involved in uh, in a feud with um uh with a uh, 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 downtown uh, uptown bruno excuse me or was it downtown bruno uh, downtown or uptown downtown i think I it's think, downtown yeah. bruno yeah. which m- m- wwf fans perhaps know him better as harvey whippleman correct and he was in a feud he had cut uh, a memorable promo on uh on uh, on whippleman bruno um with the backdrop of the with the WWF logo in the backdrop saying I'm coming down from the big apple and you know going to take it and what's wild is that uh Whippleman was a baby face like all the all the Memphis guys were baby faces and you had Owen Hart go down there and Papa Shango and you had Fink in there as well and what's cool is when Fink was hired uh, not Fink excuse me when Whippleman was hired into WWF they continued this snide little feud with each other because when Finkel would introduce Harvey Whippleman, he'd never do it like out of the goodness of his heart. He'd be like, Harvey Whippleman. And then Whippleman would grab the microphone out of his hand and insult him. You And even if you never knew about the USWA feud, you were just like, okay, these two guys just clearly don't like each other. But if you knew about the feud, be like, okay, this is great. This is just like, this is just long-term stuff. They don't like each other in kayfabe. And it was fantastic. So- 
that's you know he's a guy who wasn't he wasn't afraid of anything wasn't afraid to 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 get silly get creative and you know he was a good person just out of the amount of uh wishes and uh, uh that he's been receiving on uh that the news of his death received on twitter people reaching out saying Everyone has a good story to say to tell about him. Everyone has a fond memory, and that—that's the mark of a true good human being. When all they can say is "We'll miss you." What a great guy! Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he was a, a fantastic human being. Yeah, there's been so many tributes paid to him on Twitter, and one that particularly stands out was the one by Vicky Guerrero when uh, just after the passing of Eddie Guerrero, her husband, of course, and and uh, and, and uh, Howard uh, rode with. Eddie's body, the coffin in the plane, and he said to Vicky that I, I didn't want Eddie to ride alone on that, that final plane ride home. So, you know, that's another kind of heartbreaking kind of memory, but uh, just proved what a fantastic, generous um, and kind hearted, genuine person Howard Finkel was. But um, I mean, some, some memories that stand out to me, I mean, I've recently rewatched some old WrestleManias uh, to do uh, reviews on the podcast and uh, uh, WrestleMania 9 he was uh, Finkus Maximus uh, that's uh, world's largest toga party that was always fun and then the following year WrestleMania 10 um, I think they had Cy Sperling there the, the hair club for men owner and, and mm-hmm. Howard was, was donning a, a lovely toupee uh, and I think it might be that event when he got into a bit of a, a bit of a brawl on the canvas with with Bruno there Harvey I, I think or it was close to around that time but uh, some, some amazing memories and he will be uh, very, very sadly missed. But um, yes, uh, Howard Fink. What was the real shame was he was kind of pushed to more of a, a backstage role, kind of in the early 2000s. So you know that that's when you had the likes of you know Lillian Garcia and Tony Chimmel uh, come into the scene to do ring announcing, and they they weren't a patch on Howard Finkel, of course. And then you had Justin Roberts come in a few years later. But Howard has moved into more of a I think. A, um, a, a, a talent role looking after the talent backstage uh-huh. and uh, maybe a producer role. I know that he uh, had a, a, an un, en- encyclopedic mind of the wrestling world, and that's not easy for me to say, but uh, <laughs> he was very, very honest. We had wrestlers going up to him, trying to pick his brains all the time um, on a, a kind of you know, a 40 year plus career. But um, yes, uh, what, what a, what a, a, a sad uh, day it was yesterday. And mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've, had a, we've had a rubbish week for wrestling fans. We really have yeah. had a rubbish week, but uh, that kind of um, was, was a particularly poignant moment for me. But uh, we'll always remember the, the late great Howard Finkel. So I just wanted to kind of pay tributes there to Howard. I think everybody's doing it on their shows, but uh, definitely one that um, particularly hits me hard because uh, like, like yourself, Warren, we grew up with Howard and have so many fond memories of when he was uh, doing the ring announcing back in the 80s and the 90s. So, Warren, uh, let, let, let's talk about this, this fantasy booking shenanigans then. So uh, uh, when I approached you, I, I said it would be the best of AEW versus the best of uh, WWE, which would include NXT. You could throw in NXT UK, maybe 205 Live if you want to. Whatever you consider to be the best under the WWE banner going up against AEW. Now, no, AEW is a fairly fledgling company. Was it about six months old, four, five, six months old? Not too uh, old at all, but... Well, developed. we're getting we're getting into a year, really. Indeed, indeed, because, in they've developed a good roster. Be, like the TV deal is from October, but AEW has been running has uh, been running shows since Double or Nothing, and Double or Nothing the anniversary is coming up. So yeah, May, so it, no, you are quite right. Thank you for correcting me there. You are quite right. It is oh, I'm going to keep you honest, John. 
Oh, you you do it. You've got to keep you've got to keep me straight because if I go off track, I need someone to pull me back in. But uh, and that might happen a few times in this episode. Just joking, it's fine. We're it's fine. We, we we do te- have a tendency to think like, all right, well, you know, since TV has started like in October, well, it's only been a couple of months still. But yeah. yeah, no, we kind of forget that they were running shows way before that. Yeah, yeah, I should know. I've seen every single one of them, and I've enjoyed every single one of them as well. But uh, are you a fan of AEW typically? Do you, I mean, you uh, mentioned earlier that you do your recap shows uh, after the Wednesday night shows at NXT mm-hmm. and AEW. Um, you know, where do you stand uh, on NXT versus AEW? Do you have one over another? Do you like them both equally? What are you enjoying about the two shows? I like wrestling, and I don't care who you are. Good, I don't care where answer. you come from. I don't know. <laughs> I, I Like, honestly, if you're putting out fantastic wrestling, and it's good and it entertains me and it hits all my buttons, right? Because we all we all have different uh, levels of uh, di- all different needs. I'll put it that way from yeah. our wrestling programming as fans. If you're able to do that, I'm going to watch. I'm going to appreciate it. And if it stinks, it's going to stink. AEW, since January 2020, has been outstanding. They're slipping a cu- over the past couple of weeks. It's normal. They've taped shows empty arenas everybody's getting used to this new reality of course it's not the same thing but i'd say leading into march aw was untouchable they have been putting on consistently fantastic shows wouldn't be saying that if we were having this conversation maybe in november last year i probably wouldn't be saying that but they have picked everything up uh coming back from the holidays and it's been fantastic that being said nxt is not being a slouch my god They've been having fantastic shows as well. So the good thing is, is that regardless on what side of the fence you fall on, if you necessarily absolutely have to fall on a side of the fence, you're getting good wrestling. You're you're getting even good to great wrestling some weeks. We're yeah, spoiled, yeah. John. We're yeah, spoiled. We are, we are. Everyone's a winner when it comes to Wednesday nights, most definitely. But uh, The fans again, are the winners. We are the winners. <laughs> and uh, the content creators are the winners because we have something to talk about still, uh, despite uh, everything else being shut down, locked down. Um, at least we've still got AEW and NXT to look forward to every Wednesday. But uh, Warren, there was a couple of rules that I sent, some, some kind of parameters, you could say, with regards to our fantasy booking shenanigans. Uh, nine matches in total. Now, you may ask, why did I come up with nine matches well originally i was just going to throw out an eight match card and i thought well it has to be a pre-show that has to be a pre-show match so let's add let's tack one more match onto it and it comes up to nine i know it's an odd number i don't like odd numbers but we're going to have to love it in this in this instance uh so the, the pre-show is the appetizer before we get into the the curtain jerky you could say that the match that's going to set the tone for the rest of the card that be match number two uh and then you have all of your mid card matches Lead this all the way to a double main event. So uh, you, you, you're always going to have your, your, your main main event at the very, very end. But you, like WrestleMania 8, when we had the double main event, you had Savage versus Flair. You had Sid versus Hogan. Savage versus Flair was in the middle of the card. It might have been in, in kind of the, the, the first half of the card. I don't know, out near the top. Um, but we could kind of play about with that second main event match if you want to and position it. But uh, let's see, where are we? Um, you can use any wrestler currently signed to AEW uh, to battle the likes of uh, WWE. NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, anybody that falls underneath the WWE family banner, um, and they like to be called a family, but uh, that's another discussion for another podcast. Um, and uh, we also said that we we're going to give our events, our show, our pay-per-view a name as well. So uh, there we go. So um, and after 
after we've announced uh, our entire card, our nine matches, uh, we're going to throw it open to the fans on, on Twitter and Facebook, maybe on a little poll to see which card they prefer. Uh, so uh, that'll be fun for them to kind of listen back and to let us know how they enjoyed our cards. But uh, Warren, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Did you come up with a name for your show, for your pay-per-view? If so, what was it? Yes, I was trying to go for something that had a little alliteration to it. Uh, but, uh, the, and I wanted to like add in thunder, right? I wanted to add in like, cause it's, you know, it's rumbles and it's ominous, big things are coming, but I also, look, the best I could come up with was WWE versus AEW, the rumble for the thunder. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the best I could do. <laughs> Love it. And to be honest with you, this is probably the hardest part of the, this whole thing for me, coming up with a name for the for this show. The matches were fairly straightforward compared to coming up with a, a title. But uh, I was thinking about all the great pay-per-view names over the years and uh, ones that have really stuck out. And then I thought, oh, crikey, I, I really enjoyed the Great American Bash, but how can I put a bit of a twist on that? And I was thinking, with this show, AEW versus WWE is going to be a big money earner, providing they can uh, uh, ever open up the, the arenas and the stadiums to fans again. And I've called mine the Great American Cash Amania. So how's about that? The Great American Cash Amania, because it's going to cash in. It's going to be the biggest money making show in US wrestling history. So the Great American Cash Amania. So uh, I'm quite pleased with that one. <laughs> and it combines anything. There's cash, there's America, and there's mania. What, what more? What more do you want? What more do you want? So uh, I think I'll, I'll kick things off if that's OK. Well, sure, I'm going sure. I'm I'm to give you my pre-show match. So we don't necessarily have to say who we want to win or who we want to lose. But um, okay. we might want to say kind of why uh, the opposing teams uh, might have been put together and uh, what type of a match, what kind of you know, chemistry they're going to have in the ring. So sure. well, we don't necessarily need, need winners or losers. Let's not drag it out for any longer than necessary. But uh, my pre-show match. Um, and uh, I might be cheating a little bit here because I think one of them was actually uh, released by the WWE earlier on this week. But uh, we'll kind of skip over that because when I made this list, it was before all of that news. As my pre-show match, it's, it's, a, it's a, a Joshi match, a Joshi match. Is that how you say it? The, the Japanese I think, uh, uh, woman? Jo Joshi, yeah, fine. We'll go with that. We'll go sure. with that. So sure. it's going to be on the WWE side, Io Shirai from NXT, of course, and partnered up with Asuka and Kairi Sane. Going up against Emi Sakura, Rihu, and Hikaru Shida. So oh, Hikaru Shida, Rihu, Emi Sakura from AEW going up against Kairi Sane, Asuka, and Io Shirai. I think that could be an incredible match. You've obviously got six experienced, very, very talented Joshi wrestlers that will fly all over the ring. And uh, the psychology, the action will be fabulous. The fans will be into it. There'll be lots of screaming from Asuka. There might even be some some green mist. You never know. Uh, but I, I'd look for a dream match. I think that'd be a lovely dream match, combining the best women from both rosters, Japanese uh, heritage, and uh, I think they would they would tear the house down and really kind of get people back from the concession stands. They'll be sat there with their popcorn and their hot dogs and their beers, and they'll love the hell out of that pre-show match. But uh, what's your thoughts on my 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 pre-show match there, Warren? I think it's fantastic. You know, we've talked about, um, especially on the Fightful side, quite a bit about if they were ever, if they ever wanted to expand the Kabuki Warriors and actually make a stable out of it, you bring EO up, you put her in there, and you've got you've got a murder team on your hands. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, and um, you know, if we're going full Joshi here, uh, then you you let Kyrie Sane be uh, the psychopath that she was in Stardom. You know the 
the woman who will just, you know, who looks very, very adorable, but will snap your neck uh, in any given moment. They never really leaned into that aspect over in WWE. But yeah, I mean, you have all the, uh, you have all the elements here to make a, a, a fantastic opening show, uh, yeah. opening uh, opening match for the show. I agree. Yeah, I was quite pleased with that. But who have you got on your your pre-show uh, match? Uh, just as people are filing in and they're getting their seats and getting nice and comfortable, the the lights hit, the music hits. Who have you got coming out for your pre-show? Now the pre-show, if we're talking purely business, right? It's offered for free. Whether you're AEW, you're WWE, it's on YouTube, it's on their social channels. It's to give you a taste of what's to come. They want to get eyeballs on it. You don't put my, Michael Nakazawa versus Jabaley on your pre-show. No one's going to watch that stuff. You, you, you want to put on people who are going to get people excited, viewers excited to buy the pay-per-view or subscribe to the network, whatever. My, pre, my pre-show has... Newly signed WWE talent and current 24-7 champion Rob Gronkowski versus Marco Stunt. Hello. (laughs) And here, your boy Rob doesn't take Marco seriously. He does all those crazy dance moves. Maybe he comes to the ring with uh, that other guy, Mojo Raleigh. Oh, him. And they start being a pair of bros. Until they realize that Marco Stunt is all business. Like, he tries to pal around, but it's literally the little guy and the jocks, right? And just like any good 80s movie, the little guy comes out on top at the end. There you go. There you go. Because screw Rob Gronkowski. (laughs) Oh, I, that would that would make that would be good, and that would make me pay my 9.99 to tune into the network to see the full show. See? I, I would, I would honestly. Uh, but that's a good one. I I I I like that one. And I I've become a fan of Marco Stunt. I wasn't too sure about him to start off with, but the more I've seen him with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, I've grown to like him. And uh, on the on the Jericho Cruise when he had that um, life preserver on. I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he looked pretty badass. And he's, uh, yeah, he doesn't like throwing himself. He doesn't mind throwing himself around. He's definitely uh, uh, one to watch. I quite like him. Uh, he, he knows his role. I don't understand <clears throat> what all the hate is with uh, with Stunner. Like, oh, he's too small. He's too small. They're not they're not booking him as if he was uh, Ultimate Warrior for Pete's sake. He's He takes a beating. He takes the – every time that Jurassic Express loses, it's because Stunt eats the fall. If Stunt is not in the match, Jurassic Express win. It's it, that's his role, and he knows what his role is. When he had his match against Lance Archer last week, no one was like, "Ooh, maybe Marco's got a chance." No, we knew what it was for. He knew what it was for. It's to make Lance Archer look great. What happened? Lance Archer looked great. So I don't know what the what people's problems are with Marco. He's entertaining. He's funny. He understands. He's the small guy. He leans into it. I, I love the guy. Yeah, definitely. But uh, then 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 you have the pyrotechnics. You have America the Beautiful. You have the lights, the pageantry. Um, you have all the dancing girls. And we're into we're into the first match on the card, the, the, the curtain jerker. But the one that's going to set the pace, set the tone for the whole show, dare I say. The hot open. Oh, yes. And my first match on the main card. Now, hold on to your hair your hat your your chair your table everything i've only got this is going to be a 30 minute iron man match between daniel bryan and pack 
Can oh. you imagine those two will tear the place down? They tear each other up. It's not a fool's count anywhere or a street fight. They've got to stay within the rings. But I think that that will suit them too fine. They're, 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 they're technical wizards. They can fight into and out of any, any hold, any move, anywhere that any man's ever come up with. And I think... It's going to be a phenomenal match. You've got a dream match of sorts. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't remember those two ever touching before. I don't know if they've ever wrestled before. But that's a match that I would pay my 99.99 to see. Forget the key pre-show kickoff matches. I want to see Pac versus Daniel Bryan in a 30-minute Iron Man match. I think those two would have oh, a dream match. And, and I would quite happily turn the TV off and say that I've, I've had enough just from that one match alone. And and that would, that would be, I could, I could go to bed or die happy having seen those two wrestle for 30 minutes. But so, uh, so I'm assuming you I, didn't book the rest of the card then. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I went and had some tea, I had some lunch and I went for a walk, but no, I booked <laughs> the rest of the card. The rest of the card rocks. But I'm just saying that if I had no, no, that I match, I'd be, I'd be satisfied. I'd be satisfied. But uh, that's a pretty good match. Um, would, would you be happy with that one on your card? Nah. <laughs> no, you, you no, I'm don't. kidding. Of course, you wouldn't want that. As for me, I the, for my hot open, I decided to go. I decided to go with a with a, with women, and I decided to go with Oscar versus Hikaru Shida. And I don't think you could get a faster paced, harder hitting match than getting these two going at it to open up a show. They just it'd be dynamite. It would be absolute fire. Um, Oscar is has never been bad and regardless of how she's been booked or how fans feel about her booking or whether whether or not she should have lost at wrestlemania uh 34 so on and so forth she's still oscar and she she's still uh proficient and a hell of a striker and Sheeta's fantastic Sheeta is the cornerstone right now of the women's division as far as work goes as far as talent goes uh she's absolutely the woman of the hour in AEW. Um, the, this to me, this to me would be a missed opportunity if we never got to see uh, these these two women go at it. And I think this should open the Rumble for the Thunder, Oscar versus Hikaroshida. There we go. There we go. And, uh, and that would be a really tasty match. And I like Hikaru Shida. I think uh, when she does finally face uh, Nyla Rose for that championship, I think that's going to be a hell of a battle. And uh, we could see uh, a changing of the guard, a changing of the champion that night. But uh, that's a great match, Warren, I've got to say. But uh, my match number three, um, this this might take a lot. This is a completely contrast of styles, a contrast of, of wrestlers and wrestling ability. Uh, but you've co- got current NXT UK United Kingdom champion Walter, the ring general, going up against Orange Cassidy. So <laughs> that, can you imagine the fun love that we would have? Everybody loves Orange Cassidy. Walter just murders wrestlers for fun and leaves handprints on their chest for fun. He could do it every day of the week, twice on Sundays. Um, that big old bear paw across the chest. But um, it, it, Orange Cassidy's renowned for being relaxed and kind of, yeah, you, you need to kind of, he gets there eventually. You know, when, when, he, when he wakes up, remember that match he had against Pac? That was a thriller. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I don't think it would take too long 
too many chops or too many kicks or drop kicks from Walter to wake Orange Cassidy up. And I think when he does, you're going to see Orange Cassidy at his best diving, flipping, throwing all over the place and uh, will give Walter a match for his money. So you've got the big ring general, the big bear Walter going up against uh, the king of sloth style Orange Cassidy. It's, it's a mix of style. It's a mix of styles uh, and, and techniques. And um, but but I think o- on paper, that is money. That is pure money. But um, what was your next match, Warren? Now, you, when you were prefacing this, you said, you know, we only want the best, right, on the cards. That's what you said, right? Only oh, the, be- oh, yeah. the best. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, that's entirely subjective, right? That's, that's in, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What is the best? Well, you know, that, that can be. That can be construed many different ways. As far so I just want I just want to point that out because my next match has Michael Nakazawa facing off against the Fiend. Oh well, yes. Uh, now, he, he, he can he can slip and slide his way out of the mandible claw. Well, here's the thing though. Hang on a second. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now the Fiend, you know what he's about. He's about he. You get transformed. You get you realize things about yourself when you fight the fiend, unless you're Goldberg. But <laughs> you, you you discover things about yourself, right? I mean, Seth Rollins, uh, Seth Rollins turned heel. Finn Balor was uh, went to NXT and became super dark. We saw the John Cena Firefly Funhouse match. Now, the fiend here re- has to make Nakazawa realize that he. Yes, he uses the Turkish oil to compensate for his shortcomings in the ring as a professional wrestler. That he has to depend on comedy to make up for his inadequacies as a professional wrestler. Sure. But The Fiend is going to dig deeper into this, right? Going to make him realize something deeper. Going to make Michael Nakazawa realize that this is just the tip of the iceberg. That it's not just a talent thing. It makes him realize that he has never really touched success. That from a young age, young Michael Nakazawa's father kept telling him, no matter how well he scored in tests at school or how quickly he picked up martial arts, whatever, he was never good enough. Success has always eluded him. The sweet feeling of always being successful has never been one with Michael Nakazawa. Why do you think he hangs out with Kenny Omega? Because he's trying to have that success (laughs) radiate onto him. He knows, he knows it's the closest he'll ever be to feeling really, truly successful. And that's why he covers himself in the oil, John. The slippery, oily feeling that covers his body of nothing ever sticking to him. That's all he knows, John. He thinks he does it for laughs. But but in reality, he does it because he loathes himself. He stares into the abyss when he covers himself in the oil. Nothing sticks to Michael Nakazawa. Not success, not true friendship, not paternal love. It just slides away from him. Wow. I I think you should be Michael Nakazawa's spokesperson. That's probably the the most passionate that anybody's ever spoken about the man. But uh, I, I, I'm sold. I'm sold. (laughs) I want to see, I want to, I want to see that match now. I want to see that match. I'm completely sold. And I want to know how the fiend overcomes. I mean, you, you think the fiend has mental issues. I think Michael Nakazawa has a deep down kind of insecurities. Sure. But, but, and that's why he has the baby oil. 
just so that he can I, I, I don't know put people in wow I, I, I'm sorry <laughs> I want I want to see that match I yeah. want to see that match Vinnie Mac sign Nakazawa get the baby lotion out get him in there with the fiends but uh, my next see, match you want to see a man's spirit been broken <laughs> that's what you want to see <laughs> of my next match um, it, it's another women's match, and this one I think could be the match for the ages, the ultimate women's match. It's a four match, it's a four women elimination match where the winner takes all. Now, of these four individuals, you've got three champions. You've got Nyla Rose, the current AEW world champion. Ooh. You've got Charlotte Flair, the new NXT champion. Ooh. And you've got Becky Lynch, uh, the, the longest reigning women's Raw champion. And the fourth member is not a champion, but uh, I'm sure she will be soon. And that's a Brit Baker, uh, Mrs. Adam Cole, of course. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, but uh, those four individuals, Nyla Rose, Brit Baker, and Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair will be a phenomenal match. And it could be the greatest women's match of all time. And it's an elimination match as well. So you've got to pick them off. You've got to get rid of the weak one first and the next one until it's just one on one, Warren. And then you have who will be that one on one? I don't know. I'm not prepared to speculate. I, I wouldn't want to suffer the wrath of a, of a Nyla Rose for getting her eliminated too soon. But only one woman will walk away with all three championships. And uh, who will that woman? We'll have to we'll have to ring up Vinny or, or ring up Cody and say, look, book it. It's got to happen. Book it. I was tempted to have the, the, the championships hung above the ring, but no, I thought no. Let's not turn it into any sort of gimmick ladder match. Let's have them fight. Let's have them wrestle. An elimination match. And I think that could be the greatest women's match of all time. There you go. Go. Yeah, I agree. There's there's there a lot of star power there. Most definitely. Most definitely. But uh, I think Britt Baker's time is coming. I, I, I've loved her her development over the last uh, month or two, turning into that uh, uh, that, that that almost psychotic heel uh, that we've seen, and uh, last week that that was kind of like her Becky Lynch moment with the the, the, the bloody face and the bloody teeth and the bloody nose, and uh, when she was staring into the camera, she still lost that match. But I think the tide is going to turn for Britt Baker. And uh, if I were to put my my hat on the line, uh, and I don't often take my hat off because I haven't got any hair, Warren. Uh, but if I were to take my hat <laughs> off and, and put it on the line, I'd probably go for Britt Baker to win all three, and just to prove to the world that she can be world champion, regardless of promotion, division, opponents. Uh, so there we go. There we go. So who's your next match then? Who who, who have we got to, to make us spend that money then, Warren? It, it's, the, it's the Shield reunion no one wants. Roman Reigns <laughs> versus John Moxley with the stipulation that the loser gets Seth. Oh, Seth in a shark cage. <laughs> Seth in a <laughs> shark a, cage. Hanging over the ring, and whoever wins gets them. And you can imagine, uh, whoever loses gets them. So you can imagine the promos going into this, where John is, uh, John Moss is like, yeah, I, 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 Roman, I don't want him. And Roman's like, dude, I, my family's huge. I don't, I don't even know where to put him. And John's like, I'm doing fine over in AEW. Like, I don't need him hanging around anymore. Like, have you read his tweets? It's like, I know, I know he's, he's, so he's terrible. And he's getting, he's getting married. And then what do we do with Becky then? Oh man. Like, uh, I don't know, but there you go. So that, that whoever loses gets Seth, gets Seth Rollins, uh, to do whatever. It doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't matter. But for real, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to see, Roman Reigns and John Moxley at this at this stage in their careers, 
just just go at it because uh, you know you there there was an argument to be made there is an argument to be made that Dean Ambrose never needed the shield you know mm. uh, his creative is another thing but as and I think he's proved it he he never really needed the shield to be a successful pro wrestler I think he's out of the three he's the one who uh, should have benefited more because he had the more he had the most charisma he had um maybe seth works a little better than him but he had uh, he's great at psychology had charisma the the promo chops he had it all and yet he's the guy that technically at least in wwe's eyes is the least successful right he was he was the third wheel whereas if you followed his career beforehand if you saw the stuff that they were doing in nxt dean ambrose was the star he wasn't he broke away and now he's the star so <laughs> yeah. and i don't think we've ever seen a roman reigns dean ambrose match to be in the in the nope. wwe i don't think they ever uh faced each other across the other side of the ring for one another but so that would be a good match that'd be a good dream match definitely but, you know so- the the biggest missed <laughs> opportunity that wwe uh the the biggest missed opportunity that wwe had and now we probably won't see is to have wrestlemania be main evented by the shield that's broken up by yeah, a broken a up triple shield. threat a triple yeah. threat match between dean seth and roman that my friend would have been a spectacular main event for wrestlemania that we're probably not going to get because they waffled on it because they're dopes yeah i think that there was one year when they were uh, i don't know whether it was just speculation or just uh rumors on on uh, the twitterverse but you know i think it was one year when it was kind of heading vaguely in that direction but uh the rope got pulled from underneath us but uh, my next match then warren is mm-hmm. uh it's, it's a coffin match now mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it, it involve the wrestler that's typically associated with coffin matches. Oh, you might ask, who, who is John? Who is John got in this coffin match? Well, I'm going to go with Alistair Black in this coffin match, representing WWE versus Le Champion, Chris Jericho. And uh, why? Why you might ask? I think that they they both got uh, excellent gimmicks, um, and they both like to wear spiky jackets. Um, <laughs> and that's pr- pretty much the closest connection I can get, really. But I I think this could be seen as a bit of a passing of the torch, Warren. A bit of a passing of the torch. It could be Le Champion recognizing that uh, uh, Alistair Black is is the future of the business, the future of the WWE an opportunity potentially to to make a new star of Alistair Black, which Chris Jericho has typically done, you know, his matches with Jungle Boy and, and various others. He, he's done his best, whether on the, the the winning end or not, he's done his best to put his opponent over and make a new star in front True. of him. And I think he could very much do that with Alistair Black. And I think it'll be a fantastic match. And I think that the, the added stipulation of getting, you know, your opponent in the coffin, we haven't seen a coffin match in years. And they used to be good when I used to watch them when I was a youngster, a teenager, watching WWF and The Undertaker versus Yokozuna and all the other fantastic uh, not very memorable, but so they were good for me at the time. Uh, coffin matches. I think this could be a, a good gimmick match for the, the audience to enjoy, for the viewers at home to enjoy. That Chris Jericho versus Alistair Black in a coffin match. Um, and yeah, I, I think that'd be a, a good. Uh, maybe a, a, a maybe a contrast of styles potentially. The, the younger wrestler versus the, the veteran. Um, but like I say, it could be a star-making match for Alistair Black and a nice little gimmick with the added uh, the coffin there to go along with it. It's good stuff. I like it. I can get mm. behind that. Absolutely. Mm. What have you got next? Well, I, I have Alistair Black next up as well. 
Uh, you're co- you're yeah. copying me. No, surely but, not. <laughs> the copying uh, No, against Pac. Oh, wow. Now yeah. that, 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 that's Pac. money. Alistair Black and Pac are two of my favorite all-around wrestlers. I've been a Tommy End guy for a long, long time. Pac is... He he's the he's the pro wrestler pro wrestling fans wrestler. Yes. He does it all. He has fantastic character work. He can go in the ring and he can sell like a son of a bitch. Like oh. he, he's he can be literally I he's invincible. Like to me there is not there isn't out there a more perfect uh, representation of a uh, of a tip top high level complete wrestler like Pac. Plus, the two guys don't mind to get physical. They're brutal. They're harsh. Let's do it. Aleister Black and Pac. They had a fight a couple of years ago. What was it? 2017 for the, you know, in the the uh, the, U- the first United UK Kingdom championship tournament. You and got you had it. Neville it in a, the ring. It was a dark match, I think. It, it wasn't a dark match, but it, it wasn't part of the tournament. It wasn't they, part of the tournament. It was but like an exhibition match. Neville was cutting a promo, basically, mm. where he was saying, I'm the best in this country and there's no one on this continent who can who can beat me. And then Alistair Black comes out. He was still known as Tommy End. He had just been signed by NXT. So right. the Alistair Black character didn't exist. So he came out to Tommy End. They had a 10-minute fight. It was good. but uh, and, and Neville went over. But, y- you know, it's crazy what four, three years can do, right? Just three years later... You think about this match and you're like, ooh. I'm salivating. Yeah. So Very that good. that that's that's one right there that I'd love to see. My God, they'll slap each other around and be fantastic. But so we all know about uh, Pac's kind of aerial maneuvers, how athletic he is. But but Alistair Black is no slouch when it comes to kind of doing moonsaults and various dives off the sure. rope. But but both of them are, are excellent strikers as well. You know, mm-hmm. you, can you imagine the stiff kicks that we're going to get in that match? Um, it, they it will work. Well, they would oh, work very very snug with each other. Yes. Oh no doubt, no doubt. And uh, that's the way they like it. That is the way they like it. But uh, I'm gonna go into my my first uh, main event of our double main event, Warren. No, no, no. I know we're only into what match eight. I think seven or eight on our card. I'm not sure. I've lost track already. But this is my first um a, a main event of our double main events. This is the and this is the sixth. Is, is, are we at number six? Yes, we yes. are. We are. Crikey. Okay, so you're doing one of your double main events. I am. I'm going to bring okay. it in nice and early. This, this is kind of like a, a Flair versus Savage WrestleMania rate. Bring it in nice and early. Sure. Bring bring the crowd up. Get the atmosphere going. But this is actually a rematch from a previous WrestleMania. So I think that these two fought at WrestleMania 32. I think it was Dallas. Everybody was looking forward to it, thinking it was going to be a fantastic street fight. No rules Falls Count Anywhere shenanigans, and it was uh, Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose back then, but things have changed. Oh, yes. Brock Lesnar is still the beast. He's still, you know, the, the, the beast incarnate. He'll still have Paul Heyman there. Um, but but you've got John Moxley now. You haven't got Dean Ambrose, who is slightly kind of... People didn't really take him as seriously as they possibly should have in the WWE. But now he's John Moxley. He's all business. He's got the, the shorter haircut. He, he just he, He's rough and he's tough. Um, and he's got that paradigm shift, double underhook DDT. And I think these two would have a fantastic abandoned warehouse match. So how do you like that one? So we, we've seen Johnny Gargano and, and Champa kind of wrestle a couple of weeks ago in that abandoned warehouse or wherever it was. There was this ring just plonked in the middle of this dark building. It looked like a warehouse. 
but I want to see no ring just force count anywhere they can battle wherever they want they can get in a they can climb up some some scaffolding who knows but Brock Lesnar this is Johnny Moxley John Moxley in an abandoned warehouse match and they would brutalize one another I think that would be it, it would have to be a, a, a kind of a location match a shoot match like a, a very cinematic thing similar to what we've seen at WrestleMania 36 but that's fine they've got plenty of big screens in the in the stadium of mm-hmm. 100 150,000 people um, at a great American Cashamania, and uh, they've got all these big screens, so you know the, the atmosphere will be there, um, and um, I think uh, that will be that will be a match for the ages. They will brute. It could potentially be a career-ended match for the loser because it will be that brutal. But um, yes, an abandoned warehouse match. Uh, Vince uh, will be on the phone in about half an hour's time, wanting to steal that idea from me. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, would you like to see that one? Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be interesting, especially when you consider uh, now that we know the story about the WrestleMania match, you know, uh, uh, between Moxley and uh, and Brock, where Brock was just shutting down all of his ideas and didn't want oh, yeah. to talk about anything. Uh, just a couple of years later, the, 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 the times have changed. Right. I don't think I don't think Brock wouldn't wouldn't not listen at this point, or at least Moxley would let him damn well know, hey, buddy, uh, we have to talk and we have to get on the same page here because this ain't uh, ain't Dean Ambrose from back then anymore. Uh, I'm legit. I'm a draw. People come to see me just like they go to see you. So let's make something happen. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think I think the kind of the, the two of them are a lot closer together on the, on the power scales nowadays, especially with Moxley being the AEW champion. But uh, yeah, that's a good one. But uh, what have you got next on your card? I have the uh, the uh, I have Britt Baker versus Bailey, and the winner becomes the role model, the ultimate role model. Because, you know, Twitter, Reddit, they're like, oh, Britt Baker's stealing Bailey, Bailey's gimmick. So what if Bailey at some point was like, yeah, you're right, Britt Baker is stealing my gimmick. And Britt Baker's like, say what, I'm dentist. <laughs> and, and so they decide to just fight it off. And whoever <laughs> wins, whoever wins is the ultimate role model. Is the, yeah, there's, they keep the merch. You know, and the other one cannot use those words. They can't, they can't, can't come out of their mouth anymore. It can be the, the, the role model, the one that people look up to. No, 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 no. This is the one to decide it so that Twitter can shut up about it. I love it. Absolutely love it. I would tune in for that one most definitely. I'm a big fan of those two. Oh, and it'd be a good uh, match too. It'll be, it'd be really, really fun. That being absolutely. said, it'd be fun. I'm a big, yeah. big Bailey guy. <clears throat> I've loved Bailey since her NXT days. I'm really glad that she's having a nice long run with the SmackDown Championship. I really yep. like the match that she had at uh, at WrestleMania 36. Yeah. Uh, we see we need to see more of that Bailey. We need to see her with uh, in these in these great matches that we know she can have. I just can't wait for them to pull the trigger on Sasha and just have them go at it again. That's that's a main event match right there. It's a main yeah, event yeah. match, and I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. No, I care who you are. But you know what I mean. Like, it's a main event match. 
Indeed. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you any more there. So I think we're on to match number seven now, if I'm not mistaken. So this is going to be so a couple of weeks ago. We was meant to have got this this uh, war game style match, blood and guts, the kind of well, whatever they would describe it as the blood and guts match. Sure. Um, and and, and that, that hasn't happened. That's been put on ice until the right time, until things are a bit more back to normal. And they've got fans in the arenas that can really appreciate what this match is going to be. But we've seen war games matches before. But on my card, the Great American Cashamania in front of 275,000 people, there's going to be a Blood and Guts war game style match featuring the Elite. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be uh, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Adam Page going up against the Undisputed Era. So all four members, Roddy Strong, Adam Page, uh, Adam Cole, baby. You've got uh, Kylie Riley and Bobby Fish. Uh, but I think that'll be a war. And I think you've got two very aggressive heel teams. It'll be mm-hmm. heel versus heel. Um, it's, it's, oh, Adam Page is a heel, I suppose. But um but I think that would be a fantastic match. And we've seen Undisputed Era in similar environments before. They've been in War Games matches on NXT TakeOvers. Um, but um, I think it will be, be new for Kenny Omega to be in that sort of environment. It will be new for the Bucks and maybe Adam Page to be in that sort of environment. But I think it will be a battle. There, there could be weapons involved. There could be tables. could be kendo sticks. There could be walking sticks, canes. It could be any sort of stick that you can find underneath the ring. Um, fire extinguishers as well. Just throw it all in there. Uh, but I think that will be a War Game a blood and guts match to end all blood and guts matches so that's uh, my match number seven i like it uh, you did uh, yeah i dig it especially if adam page is still a little uh can't get can't quite <clears throat> get along with matt jackson i think you yeah. got uh, the potential for some really good storytelling there should yeah, i move yeah. on with mine then go for it my second uh, third to last right yeah um okay my third to last Goldberg versus Darby Allen. Oh, now you got to hear me here. Go for it. Sell me know. on this one. You've got to sell me on this one. <laughs> I, I, uh, don't worry. Listen, <laughs> it's my, it, it, this here is a guilty pleasure match because I'm going to, I don't know. May, perhaps some of your listeners have heard the Mr. Warren Hayes show in the past. I am not a fan of Bill Goldberg. I like to rag on social media about Yoshihashi and, and, Steve Mongo McMichael, but that's it comes from a place of love because they're not bad wrestlers. Well, Mongo wasn't great, but you know he he everything he did came from a right place. Goldberg has always been a shit wrestler. Can I can we swear on your show? Oh yeah, well we we already have. We have. Yes. <laughs> Yikes! Talk about talk about your reflexes at this point. Hi mom. It, this is not a PG podcast, okay. Warren. P- please don't worry. <laughs> Goldberg has always been shit. He's always been shit. He's been a, he was too green to be put in the position they wanted him in. Uh, they rode the momentum to create him a, an attraction, but in the meantime, he hurt guys. Uh, you'd hear tell stories uh, uh, from other wrestlers that Mr. Perfect, after running a series of uh, house show events with Goldberg, would say, "My back is killing me because he, he's always dropping me straight like on my pelvis, and he's he's breaking me apart." He's a guy who doesn't he didn't know how to work, still doesn't know how to work, never learned how to work. Injured Bret, Bret Hart. And spent his entire career putting over no one. I would argue the only true, like, current talent that Bill Goldberg has ever put over is Drew McIntyre. It's the only guy. Because he has laid down for virtually no one. He lost to Triple H 
in WWE in that run. He lost to Brock Lesnar. He lost to Kevin Nash, but they had to cattle prod him. Yeah. You've never heard him say he ne- go, lay down for Chris Jericho, for uh, uh, John Cena, Rey Mysterio, Raven. He beat everyone. The fiend. And he created no one. <laughs> he elevated no one. Yeah. Son of a bitch disappears for 14 years, comes back, defeats Kevin Owens. Hey, there's a guy you could have elevated, right? But no, we're going to beat Kevin Owens only for you to drop the title to Brock Lesnar, a guy who did who didn't need it. When he beat Triple H, he didn't need it either. And then he goes away, he retires, and he retires by putting no one over. You have Kurt Angle, a legend in the sport. When he left, what he did he do, John? What did he do on his last match? He put over Baron Corbin. He put over Baron Corbin because Kurt Angle knows that that's what you do when you're going out in the business. You try to elevate the new guys. Goldberg has never elevated anyone but himself. And he couldn't even do it for The Fiend. He had to veto the decision that they wanted The Fiend to win. He's like, hey, you know the kids are not going to think I'm a superhero anymore if they have The Fiend. Fuck you, Goldberg. So this is what – if I'm booking this match and I'm putting this together, I'm piling the money on it and saying you're coming in here. And if you're going to do one good thing in your stupid-ass career, Goldberg, one thing is you are going to make a megastar out of this kid. Because he is on the rise. He is going up. His stock is already rising. All you have to do is lay flat on your on your dumb, stupid, round shoulders and let yourself be <laughs> pinned. That's all you have to do. And and Darby Allen would would be the it would elevate he'd be he he'd be the he'd be Drew McIntyre, because outside of Drew McIntyre, that's never been happened. That's what I want out of this match. I just want Goldberg to make a star. I want him to go out elevating someone instead of being the prissy bitch that he always is. And don't get me wrong. If any of your viewers or mine who are watching this want to come after me and say, yeah, but hey, he drew money. I'm not denying that he wasn't a draw. He was a draw. He was an attraction, but he is not a pro wrestler. He has never had it in him. He has always stank and he's Thinking it up in 2020, I am done with that guy. He has to do the right thing at some point and put kids over. And Darby Allen would be a, an amazing choice to do that. Uh, but oh, well I like done. The, I like the that, good that was fantastic. That's fantastic. Well <laughs> done. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna overlay some cheers after that uh, as well. So uh, a, a round of applause. So you're gonna have all the sound effects. You're gonna have all the sound effects. Uh, but that was fantastic, Warren. And and I'm sold. And I want to see that. And you know, Darby Allen can come down on his skateboard and uh, kind of just drop kick him into obscurity. And uh, yeah, let, let it be a quick match as well. Let him get over in style. But I love that match. My next match features Darby Allen as well. Now we, we we've already had the coffin match, but what matches you and the taker gonna be remembered for from this year's WrestleMania? WrestleMania 36, it was that boneyard match. And I'm gonna have The Undertaker 
versus Darby Allen in the second ever Boneyard match. It's the second ever, it's the next location match on my card, Warren. So we were kind of leaving the, the stadium with 340,000 people in it and uh, the, the Great American Cashmania and the, atten- the, atten- the attendance is going up every five minutes uh, <laughs> because that's the way the WWE works, my friend. And uh, they're going to be, it's, it's, I'm going to label it, it's going to be called the Return of the Boneyard match. The Return, the sequel, the numero do, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, part de, and uh, it's the return of the Boneyard. And can you imagine, I mean, we had AJ Styles and The Undertaker, and that was a fantastic match, possibly the best match at this year's Mania. Uh, but Darby Allen, he's, he's younger, he's more exciting, and he's going to be doing all these flips and dives and skateboard stuff and shenanigans. And I, I, I don't even know how to skateboard. That guy does. And uh, I, I think that they've both got dark souls. They've both got dark kind of inner souls. And I think that that's going to be the, the attraction is kind of their, their dark in a kind of satanic, I don't know, is Darby Allen satanic? He is now. He's 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 this satanic. He needs to get satanic to to kind of combat the Undertaker. And I think those two would have. There won't be any diggers. No, it would be shovels. It would be spades. They'll have to bury your opponent in this grave by hand, my friend. There won't be any any mechanics here. Um, there won't be any druids either. There won't be Gallows and Anderson for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, there will be. There will be. There will be tombstones and there'll be pile drivers and there'll be skateboards and there'll be all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful shenanigans and i think it'll be another opportunity like i said earlier the old guy putting over the new guy mm-hmm. like, like you know let's make a star let's make a mega star out of this yep. match and i think the undertaker would be willing to do it for somebody of the caliber of the star appeal um of the popularity of darby allen um and and screw your goldbergs who don't like to put over anybody apart from himself the undertaker will do the business and uh, I think Darby Allen versus The Undertaker the return of the Boneyard match part two will be a classic that'd be a fun one I agree um so where are we up to uh this will be my this will be my my first of two main events this is Go where we're it. this is where we're at uh right now um so have you noticed anything about my card moving forward there's something missing right pray tell uh, I've you know I had women mat women's matches I'd have uh, I've had uh, you know stipulations okay okay no tag teams mm, good point and this is where everything changes where we get I think a legitimate true dream match the Usos versus the Young Bucks oh. I think this is you know maybe maybe two weeks ago I would have said the revival and the Young Bucks but that's <laughs> there's a very good chance that that's going to happen but the Usos uh really and honestly one of the uh one of the best modern day teams that we've had over the past uh 10 years and that had a a renaissance what like two years ago three years ago and have really been shining these guys are absolutely fantastic they are really legitimately one of the best tag teams in the world young bucks are one of the are as well one of the best tag teams in the world and they work very similar styles and I think you put the the Usos, you take the Usos out of the overproduced environment that WWE offers, you give them a little more leeway, put them in the ring with a couple of super creative guys like um, uh, like uh, Matt and, uh, and Nick Jackson, who really don't necessarily care about their bodies either and just want to put on a good show. My God, we would be in for something fun because those these are two teams that can go, that can go at a really fast pace and are fearless, absolutely fearless. 
This this is a main event level match. The, the Young Bucks said tag teams can main event pay-per-views. I believe it. This one would be spectacular. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. That That's a good match. And not a match I would have instantly come up with myself, to be honest with you. But when you consider the Usos, they are, I think they're, dare I say, underrated for, for what they've done for the, for the wrestling business. But so, you know, they, they can deliver pretty much against anybody in any yeah. style of match. And they are an awesome tag team. And they have demonstrated that over the years, but they don't really get the, the spotlight they deserve. But to put them in a match against the Young Bucks, we know that the Young Bucks are, you know, absolutely outstanding as a tag team. Those two together. I think they're, 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 they're very, very kind of similar in, in terms of styles. They're very kind of high-flying and, uh, uh, you know, thrill-seeking tag teams. I think that will be an awesome match, Warren. Very, very good. And it deserves to be in that semi-main event spot as well, most definitely. Your first of two main yes. events. So speaking of um, semi-main events, I'm going straight into my, my, my coup de grace, my main event match. Now, when you think of AEW and you think of the face of AEW and the biggest baby face of AEW, the, the best promo of AEW, not necessarily the best wrestler, but he can hold his own against anybody. And yes, I said, hold his own. Um, we got to be talking Cody, the former. Oh, Cody I thought you were Cody, talking about Cutie Marshall. Sorry. Well, well, for, for, <laughs> no, uh, he's on my reserve <laughs> list. No, um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, Cody in the main events, do you remember that scene? Was it double or nothing when he got the, the sledgehammer and he, he smashed the throne to kind of kickstart the, the kind of the, the, the empire that, that is now AEW um, and put his stamp firmly on, on kind of throwing it to him and putting up their middle fingers to the WWE and Triple H. And of course, Triple H, the King of Kings, will be his opponent. They will come down with their uh, better halves by their side. Stephanie to one side next to Triple H. Got Brandy next to Cody. And it will be a war. It will be a battle. And um, I, I kind of a bit of stipulation. I've got it as the King of the Castle match. So it will be the first man to sit on the throne at the top of the stage after having battled all over the arena and once that person sits on the throne they are the undisputed king of the castle and the undisputed winner of the wrestling wars the undisputed champion of the great american cashamania in front of 525,000 fans it's a dream match for the ages and it has to happen but warren what do you think of my main event there it's a uh it's the ultimate symbol. That's how that's how you close off a show with AEW versus uh, AEW versus uh, WWE. You have to put Cody and Triple H. It's that's the symbolism right there. It's all there. The 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 two largest biggest stars that they have, both driving forces, leaders, uh, people who are who have transformed the business. Yeah. And you know clearly Cody still. Whole, you know, has a grudge, has maybe, you know, a chip on his shoulder. Triple H is like, I'm going to teach you again. You know, time for time for the master to show you show you again how this is going to work. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's it's the symbolism of it all. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's the, the, the sexiest match on the card, but I think it's the match that means the most at the end of the day. Oh, you, and, you get you get two fantastic storytellers in the ring. Right. And that's essentially yeah. what this is. You're, this isn't your. Uh, seven star in the Tokyo Dome uh, uh, work rate main event. This is the yeah. This is one is a story that you have to tell. 
most definitely most definitely so that that's my uh my my nine matches but how are you going to cap off your your card um for this fantasy booking shenanigans then? not gonna lie not gonna lie i had cody versus triple h in my pocket just in case you just just in case it didn't come up because it, it is the one that makes the most sense but hear me out here you've got uh you've got aj styles right who shows up grabs a microphone because there's build up to this right grabs a microphone and says hey you know uh kenny omega you know you're you're a bitch because you you left bullet club but you didn't get you weren't kicked out you you didn't take your lumps like the leader should being kicked out of bullet club like i did you know you're you're a bit you're a bit of a punk essentially right uh so uh, you you didn't take the, the send away like a man Omega says, well, I don't care, Styles, because I was a, a better Bullet Club leader than, than you were. I elevated New Japan on my back, being the leader of Bullet Club, created the elite, blah, blah, blah. I'm the better guy. Styles says, no, 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 I'm the better guy. Omega says, oh, yeah, put up or shut up. Oh, okay. But then you got Finn Balor who pops up and says, hey, motherfuckers, I started the whole deal. You guys wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boom. Triple threat. Bullet Club leaders for the ultimate supremacy. Who is the ultimate Bullet Club leader? But then Jay White arrives at the very end of the match and screws everything up. It's a no contest. And Jay White stands on top of those three. And then... Tetsuya Naito arrives, and Kazuchika Okada arrives, and 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 uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and uh, Kota Ibushi. They invade the ring, and then it's a triple invasion. It's a triple invasion, John. New Japan is there. The WWE guys come out. AEW guys come out. It's a all-out war between the three promotions, which sets us up for rumble in the fun for the Thrundle two with all three of those promotions, John. That's how you book a main event. Oh, my my head is just exploded. I, th- I think we know where we're going next time we speak. He's, he's yeah. going to be we're going to be putting the three together: New Japan, WWE, and AEW. With that, is an awesome. I love the way you booked that. I love the way you booked the main events. I love the way you booked your whole card. So just for our listeners, Warren, one more time, give us a quick rundown of your nine matches, and I'll do the same after you. The, the pre-show opens with uh, Rob Gronkowski and Marco Stunt. Then the uh, opening uh, salvo is Asuka versus Hikaru Shida. Then we get The Fiend versus Michael Nakazawa. That's a deep one. Roman Reigns versus John Moxley. Loser gets gets Seth Rollins. <laughs> Alistair Black versus Pac. Bailey versus Britt Baker. Winner is the role model. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Goldberg puts over Darby Allin. Uh, the Usos versus the Young Bucks. And Kenny Omega versus AJ Styles versus Finn Balor for the ultimate Bullet Club leadership. Who was the Amazing. best leader? But we just don't know because Jay White spoils it all. And then the invasion at the end. And I, I was chuckling there at uh, the thought of Seth Rollins and nobody really wanting to fight over <laughs> him. Uh, I think they'll just go to a no contest and get out of there before uh, before he can get out of his shark cage. But uh, my nine matches were the, the pre-show you had, uh, the Joshi match, Io Shirai, Asuka and Kari Sane versus Emi Sakura, Rihu and Hikaru Shida. Uh, and then the show opens with Pac versus Daniel Bryan in that uh, amazing 30-minute Ironman match going into Orange Cassidy versus 
versus the NXT UK United Kingdom champion Walter. That'll be uh, a match for the ages, I'm sure. Then Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker versus Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch with all the gold on the line in a four women's uh, winner takes all elimination match. And then uh, going into a coffin match between Le Champion versus Alistair Black. My first of two main events will be John Moxley versus Brock Lesnar in a WrestleMania 32 rematch. It's going to be an abandoned warehouse match going into the Undisputed Era versus the Elite in like a War Games Blood and Guts match. And then uh, Darby Allen versus The Undertaker in a return to the Boneyard match part deux. And then the main event will be uh, King of the Castle match featuring Triple H and Cody accompanied by uh, Stephanie and Brandy, of course. So there we go. Two amazing cards. And I think either one of those two uh, would easily uh, kind of break all box office and pay-per-view records um, anywhere in the history of pro wrestling. So Warren, uh, I want to thank you very much, but we, we're going to throw it over to the listeners and we're going to throw it over to the fans of the Mr. Warren Hayes show and the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. And uh, you can you can vote. Uh, there will be polls there on, on our Facebook community page and uh, on the Wrestling with Jonas with Jonas underscore pod uh, Twitter page uh, where you can uh, vote for either Warren's card or, or, or Jonas's card and uh, let us know. It's, it, it's only for fun. It's only a bit of fun. But uh, I really, really, really enjoyed that episode uh, and, and, and the bit of fantasy booking shenanigans there. Warren, thank you very much, my friend. Well, thank you very much for having you. This was a good time. It really was. Really, really enjoyed it. We'll definitely love to speak to you again in the future. But before we say goodbye to you, uh, give my listeners a chance to find out where they can reach out to you, say hi, uh, learn more about the, the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Uh, throw your, 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 your social media handles, please, sir. Absolutely. So uh, the main place is YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Head on over there. Give it a little subscribe. Like I said, I have a weekly show there uh, every Thursday night, 9 p.m. That's where we uh, that's where we uh, record. So do feel free to come say hello and listen. Uh, otherwise, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes. That's where all the nonsense happens. So over on Twitter, twitter.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. There we go. Absolutely fantastic. So thanks again to uh, Warren for being a fantastic guest on this episode of uh, Wrestling with Jonas. And we hope to have him back on the show sometime again, sometime in the future. So please keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. And if you've enjoyed listening to this show, please don't forget to spread the word. Tell your friends and tell your family. Don't forget to press that ever important subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode drops. Uh, for one final time, thank you very much to Mr. Warren Hayes. Thank you to everybody for listening. Catch up with you soon. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Uh, stay safe and we'll catch up with you all again soon. Take care.